Hey guys, welcome back to Ronin Rabbit. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and this is episode 68 of the Usagi Ojimbo Fan Podcast. If you want to leave feedback, you can leave comments on the Ronin Rabbit page on Google+. Keep an eye on Usagi Ojimbo Dojo's Facebook page. I post announcements on Facebook of episodes there. The website is bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit, and the email address is usagipodcast at gmail.com. Today the book I'm looking at is Usagi Ojimbo Volume 2, Issue 12, cover dated February 1995 from Mirage Publishing, entitled, the story entitled Daisho Part 2. This is the final part of the story involving General Fujii. He is one of our people of interest in this issue, as well as Mayamoto Usagi, Genosuke, the bounty hunter named Stray Dog, and the female villager leading Usagi, Genosuke, and Stray Dog to where she suspects General Fujii is holding up. Her name is given as Hanako. So last episode she didn't have a name, this time out. She does. So we open the story pretty much exactly where we ended last issue. Genosuke trying to talk Stray Dog down from doing anything to Usagi. Telling Stray Dog that whatever Usagi says he means because he's so honest and he hates it and it's disgusting and all this other stuff. And he finally asks Usagi, so what are you doing? And immediately Usagi says, I'm after General Fujii. Which is what Gen just convinced Stray Dog Usagi was not after. And then he says, you know, let me explain. I don't care about his head. I don't care about his bounty. You guys can do whatever. I want my swords back. So uh, again, or not again, but there Genosuke proves to be having been correct. You know, Usagi is not after quote-unquote, the general, just something he has. Stray Dog then turns his attention to Hanoko and says, well, okay, that's fine. What about her? And he says he doesn't trust her. Usagi jumps up and vouches for her. A little uh, ideological, shall we say, hand-fighting, where finally Usagi steps up and says, look, this is the last word. I'll vouch for her. Move on. And Stray Dog kind of is like, you know, wanting to press his point, and then he's like, okay, you know, this particular battle's not worth it. I'll settle this later. Or whatever is going through his bounty hunter mind. He lets up. Okay. So they continue on their journey. Uh, they get to a, an overlook. And they look down into the valley. Uh, across a small stream. At the Moonrise Temple. Which is where Hanoko thinks that they are. Uh, General Fujii is holding up. And they notice, ah, it looks deserted. There's no people. They don't see anything. But as they're watching, Fujii and his band ride up on horseback, carrying in fresh supplies, having just come back from their latest raid. She is um, uh, proven to be correct in her assumptions, particularly as it applies to Stray Dog, because he's he's very, very suspicious. (laughs) Much more than Genosuke is, even though they are of the same profession. So they decide that they'll wait until nightfall because having just come back from a raid, all the men will drink to excess, will eat to excess. They will not be in the shape or mood to fight. It would be easier to catch them by surprise. Um, Usagi tells Hanoko to go to return to her village to keep her out of harm's way, but Stray Dog says, no, you can vouch for her all you want, but I still don't trust her. She stays with us. 
And again, there's some ideological hand fighting here between the two. And finally, Usagi says, okay, she can stay, but she will stay here on the bluff where we're at while we go down to raid this temple. And Stray Dog is okay with that. Cut to the inside of the temple, and sure enough, all of the bandits are drinking and eating to excess, except for, or not except for, but and the general points out this one dude who looks like a very large, overweight mouse that you would see from a Mickey Mouse cartoon. That, that's what he strikes me as, is somebody that would be drawn as a tough that Mickey Mouse comes up against. The general says, you know, hey, aren't you supposed to be on guard duty? And he, the bandit objects that there's no reason to be this cautious, but he physically, the general physically kicks him around until he goes out anyways. And as he goes outside, he passes several more of the bandits that are gathered outside on the front porch, and they are also uh, dissatisfied with their treatment at the hands of General Fujii. So much so that one of them talks some smack, and the others outside support him and say they'll back him up. If he wants to do something, if, if you want to, to start this change of leadership, then, then we'll back you. And so he feels that that's enough, and he goes and faces the general. The general quickly dispatches him, a far superior soldier, and then when he turns on those that came in with the guy and asks, you know, is there anyone else that has anything to say, they all stop for a minute because they're afraid the general's going to turn on them, and then they start yelling and cheering for the general and everything, and he just thinks, cowards, as he sheathes the sword. Nightfall, dusk. Everyone is approaching the temple. Uh, they've tied up all three of them have tied up the sleeves of their tunics so that they are free to swing their swords. They travel, they, they come out of the forest upstream of the temple, travel the stream bed itself down to the temple, climb out of the stream bed and dispatch those bandits that are doing guard duty. One panel here we have, we see Stray Dog, Usagi, and Genosuke uh, basically standing abreast, and Usagi looking resolute says, Fujii, I'm coming after you. We uh, then cut to Fujii, who is having a nightmare, uh, a very bad nightmare, due to Usagi, we find out by the end, and he wakes up with a start. His waking up that way alerts one of his other soldiers, who seems to be probably the most loyal of any of the soldiers, and asks a asks after the general, and the general just dismisses it and poo-poos and says, you know, I'm not some uh, milksop to be worried about. Don't worry about me. It was my back hurting from sleeping like this. We need to get better bedrolls next time. You know, he gives his excuses. Goes over and picks up Usagi's swords that he has uh, stolen. Gets reassurance about him being superior to Usagi because of the fact that he has his swords. So, that puts his mind at ease that he is the better man by whatever measure he measures men, which would probably be martial uh, aptitude. He decides that he's going to go for a walk. He's been scared awake, so he needs to go clear his head. 
As he's walking out the front door, we see that Usagi, Genosuke, and Stray Dog are preparing to attack from the back. And they do by the two bounty hunters crashing in through, uh, in from the outside through the wall. And Usagi coming in through the door, taking everyone by surprise, jumping on the bandits, dispatching them right and left. The bandits think that they have the upper hand because there's only three against them, but we find out that they don't as they're being laid low like logs in a in a forest, what have you. Except for the soldier that was alert when the general woke up. He's a very large, burly soldier. He attacks Usagi, taking him by surprise, gets him in a bear hug. So it could be that this character is supposed to be a bear. Um, all of the characters, I can't necessarily tell you know, what specifically they're supposed to be, but he could because of his size and the fact that he puts Usagi in a bear hug will go with the fact that he's supposed to be a bear. He's crushing Usagi. Stray Dog runs out, dispatching soldiers, see that Usagi's in trouble, but goes on about his portion of what he wants to do, his personal mission, uh, thinking to himself, too bad, Ronin. It's every mongrel for himself. Uh, Usagi finally starts fighting back, uh, using his head as a weapon. He's whipping his head from side to side, hitting the head of the brigand until finally he drops Usagi. The bandit looses his sword, and as he's attacking Usagi, Usagi stumbles and picks up his fallen sword and kills the bandit who falls falls over on him. Uh, Genosuke comes to the rescue, helps Usagi roll this big bear off of Usagi, and then they both go after Fujii, who as they exit the temple, they can see off in the distance at the edge of the clearing there a shadow, and they assume that that's Fujii. They head off in that direction. Well, Fujii decides he has had enough of running from Usagi. So he turns around. Uh, They attack each other with the scream, charging each other, swords held aloft motif, right? And, And so what they'll do, you've seen it in the movie, they charge, they pass each other, and as soon as they pass each other, they'll stop. And that's where each of them assesses whatever damage they have taken so that the audience knows who the winner of this particular duel slash battle is, right? If you guys can picture that. Well, that's what they do, and they stop, and they turn and face each other. Uh, Fujii has taken, uh, given Delta a blow to Usagi on his sword shoulder. We see that it's bleeding. His tunic is kind of torn up, and it's, and it's bleeding. And they talk a little bit about how you know, Usagi, you're undone now. You won't be able to wield your sword as successfully. Your sword arm is hurt. And in the midst of talking, the blood uh, shows up for General Fujii from Usagi's blow. Much more significant as it was a slice clear across the chest of the general. Apparently for Usagi, it was a killing blow, whereas General Fujii's blow was not. It was the, a glancing blow. Genosuke comes out, uh, having finished dispatching the rest of the brigands, and as they're talking over the body of the general, Stray Dog appears with Hanako as hostage because he went to get her to bring her back 
leaving the other two to kill the general now to ensure that he gets the full bounty. Stray Dog wants the head of the general, and to ensure that he gets the head and the full bounty, he has threatened Hanako's life. If I don't get what I want, I will kill her, is his position. So Usagi, being the uh, the gentleman, the honor-bound soldier that he is, he tells Stray Dog that that arrangement is fine, just let Hanako go. Genosuke vehemently disagrees because part of the bounty is his by previous in, uh, arrangement uh, agreement that they had, the three of them. But Stray Dog will have none of it. He listens to Usagi and, and places his trust in Usagi's word as a true samurai, which Stray Dog recognizes, even though he's a bounty hunter, um, arguably a paid brigand, even a mercenary, as you will. He believes that Usagi is a rabbit of his word, lets Hanako go, takes the head of General Fujii, and sets off. A little interaction between Genosuke and Usagi about their philosophical positions. You know, Genosuke is upset at having lost the bounty. Well, in their discussion... It comes out that actually there's bounties for, you know, if not the bandit group, then each of the bandits as well. And Usagi says, you know, well, since you missed out on that one, I'll gladly split it. And Gen asks him, well, I thought you didn't want any bounties. And (laughs) Usagi says, I didn't want any bounty for the general. I wanted him for principal. I'll take the bounty on the rest of these people. And Gen is like, okay, I can agree to splitting it. And then Usagi says, no, 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 it's split thirds. Hanako helped us get here. She gets a third of the bounty as well. Uh, uh, Genosuke is beside himself, but no matter. We know that because that's what Usagi has said, that will be what happens. So we cut several weeks later to a village. Uh, We catch up with Stray Dog as he's walking through the village. He walks to a building in particular and says, hello, I'm back. And as soon as he enters and sits and starts to take his shoes off, uh, a a troop of children run up and tackle him and they're wrestling and playing with him. And the, uh, a, a servant woman or perhaps the woman in charge uh, comes up carrying tea for Stray Dog. She refers to him as Inuke-san. So there is his real name, not Stray Dog, which is good because Stray Dog was kind of weak. Uh, but he's wrestling with the kids and asks her how things are going here at the orphanage. And she uh, runs down a short list of things that need done. He reaches into a pocket and tosses her a bag of gold and says, Here, this should take care of most of it, as well as your normal expenses for a couple months. And uh, she says, let's see, she says, uh, I don't know how the orphanage w- would survive without you. And he says, In this world, we've all got to look out for one another very different from the persona he had earlier. She replies, yes, I've often heard you say that. So I guess once upon a time, he must have also been an orphan boy, perhaps. Finds, feels that these orphans are brothers and sisters, and he plies his trade as a bounty hunter to help his brothers and sisters and the the house mother here. Uh, that's the end of our story, but I do want to go to the letters page, and if uh, if the listeners here will indulge me uh, for a couple minutes, I want to read a response that Mr. Sakai wrote to someone's letter uh, in particular, because again, uh, it's it's just chocked full of information. Uh, Mr. Sakai responds, or 
those whose writing in his stead. Masterless samurai were called ronin, which we know, literally men of the waves, because they were subjected to the ebbs and flows of life without a lord to anchor them. So there is the actual translation of ronin. They were looked upon with fear and suspicion because many of these ronin were desperate men trying to earn a living any way they could. Now here. Also, even after the great sword hunt of 1587, which had supposedly disarmed everyone outside of the samurai class, there were still criminals who wore the two swords and passed themselves off as samurais. There were also groups such as the Otokodate, chivalrous men, who were feudal Japan's equivalent of today's street gangs and who walked about openly in defiance of the laws forbidding anyone outside of the samurai class to wear swords. Usagi, though still technically a ronin, fits more under the category of kengo, a master swordsman, samurai who voluntarily chose not to serve a lord, but instead went on the mushashugyo, warrior pilgrimage, to horn their spiritual and martial arts. The mushashugyo can range from the lone wanderings of Miyamoto Musashi to the pilgrimage of Sukahara Bokuden, who took along 80 attendants and had a procession as elaborate as any feudal lords. If you like learning about Japanese culture, stick around for issue 14, which takes place during the Tanabata Festival, and for issue 15, in which you'll learn more about seaweed farming than you would ever need to know. So, some information about what's coming up there. I think what struck me was the warrior's pilgrimage, the Mushashukyo, I believe is also referenced periodically in the manga Lone Wolf and Cub, which is my all-time favorite manga, uh, the first volume. Now, the second volume that's ongoing now is kind of a continuation of the story, but it's slightly different. Uh, So, with uh, the pilgrimage being more uh, termed, I believe, my fumado for the Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, separating it from the type of pilgrimage that they were talking, that Mr. Sakai was talking about here. Next time out, uh, issue 13, new storyline, volume 2 of Usagi Ujimbo, cover dated April 1995, also from Mirage Publishing. Now, we'll be with Mirage up until issue 16, so we've, we're, we're about done, actually, with the second volume of Usagi here as, uh, as I'm covering this. And just for general edification, the uh, subject, or the, the material that I'm using is coming from now the soft cover trade paperbacks that Dark Horse Publishing has been putting out. I believe there are four volumes out with a fifth solicited that start with the Mirage volume and continue on through the Dark Horse volume, which is where Usagi is now. So these take up the story of Usagi Ujimbo after the two-volume Fantagraphics hardcover volume that was my source material uh, for a while. I have now transitioned to these soft covers that um, Dark Horse has been putting out as I don't have all of the single volumes, uh, single issues for Usagi yet. They're, They're on my collecting list and I get them as I can, but I still have holes in my collection, so I rely on the trade paperbacks and internet information to put this stuff together. As if you guys want to know that, you just want to hear me talk about Usagi. Next episode, I will do more of that. Thank you for this episode. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License.